0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LePoint, publisher and editor in chief. Today, we're continuing our three-part series that examines the perspectives and practices of CEOs as chronicled in the annual PWC CEO survey. Now, other segments in the series have looked at matters of CEO optimism and on climate change, but this conversation today looks at an issue CEOs have raised as a concern in the survey, cybersecurity. With remote work emerging in the pandemic and with concerted efforts, particularly abroad, to hack into our data systems, CEOs worry about the safety of their information. So joining me in the conversation is Alvin Madar. He's the BC Cybersecurity Leader for PwC Canada. And Hamid Shabazi is the CEO of Well Health, a primary healthcare provider based here in Vancouver. Good to have you both with us. Thanks, Kirk. Nice to be here. Great Elvin, Elvin, tell me also uh, about um, how the pandemic in particular has accelerated just just digital in general and and uh, with the consequences, of course, for information.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I guess we have all felt it, right? Like basically when the pandemic happened, everybody started, all organizations started figuring out how to work from home, right? And that really accelerated the journey. I always say that, you know, I think organizations were trying to find the right way to work from home even before the pandemic. But with the pandemic, there was no choice. So a lot of organisations started having to move their employees uh, into a work-from-home model, Um, and so they had to make the investments and everything, right? So that's from the internal Mm -hmm. side of uh, internal perspective. From an external perspective, what I find is actually even for myself, I'm a lot more comfortable shopping online now than even before the pandemic. Right now, I actually prefer to shop online. So organisations are starting to see that as well, and so they're actually accelerating the investment in digital to satisfy that um, that need for um, online retail.
0: But with that activity, of course, comes a lot of uh, transitioning of uh, information, a lot of sharing, a lot of,
1: you know, and, and a lot of risk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's actually one of the reasons why, you know, most CEOs that we interviewed during the survey, they're saying that cybersecurity is a top concern now, right? It's actually pretty mm-hmm. funny. So in the global report, uh you know, the pandemic is a high concern than uh, cybersecurity. So cybersecurity was a top two concern. But in the Canadian um in the Canadian slice of the survey, cybersecurity is actually top of mind for all, all CEOs. So
0: Interesting, Hamid. Your your organization, of course, uh, you know, has has emphasized has been very very early out of the gates in a lot of ways, with uh, with with online transition, you know, tra- transformation. Um, but tell me a little bit about how the pandemic has accelerated that, even for you.
1: Yeah, well, like, like I mentioned before. Um, it kind of forces everybody to figure out an infrastructure to work from home, right? And also at the same time, from a cybersecurity perspective, how do we make sure that when people are working from home, information isn't leaked in other ways that we never anticipated? So that was a very heavy investment in trying to figure out how to secure the data and um, you know with the work from home model. Um and what I can see going forward is, you know, I think you know, one thing that the organizations learned throughout the pandemic is the work from home model is actually really good for the employees. The employees love having that flexibility. And also at the same time, uh, it actually is safe, um, it actually reduces costs for a lot of organization as well. So as we come off this pandemic, I can see, I don't think it'll be a fully work from home model like we have in the last year. I can see a hybrid model emerging where, you know, it'll be a split between working in the office and working from home. So, you know, this whole trend of, investing in the digital technology, I cannot see that slowing down going forward.
0: Yeah. Hamid, let, let me turn to you and uh, look at your organization, which already had a pretty strong online uh, presence uh, pre-pandemic, but but it has very clearly become quite important uh, during the pandemic that we still have access to to healthcare, but we had to do it in a different way in a lot of ways. So tell me a little bit about how the pandemic has accelerated your own transformation as a company into digital?
2: Yeah, thanks for the question, Kirk. Um, So the reason why I founded Well is because uh, I noticed that there was a pretty anomalous lag in uh, the digitization and modernization of healthcare as compared to other sectors. Um, And a lot of that was for good reason because of the value of the data because uh, of 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 the importance of healthcare, you know, we're talking about something that that you know, arguably there's nothing more important, <laughs> you know, fundamental health data, fundamental mm-hmm. you know caretaking models, and it's hard to change stuff that works, um, but we have to because um, you know we're not we're 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 not producing enough physicians to take care of the growing number of people. There's a there's a there's a growing um, space there in terms of, of, of being able to take care of everyone. And so what do you need to do? Well, on one hand, you need to amplify doctors and uh, allow them to be more, more capable in terms of, of, of seeing more patients. Um, and you also have, so so there's an empowerment of the, of the practitioner, and then there's also an empowerment of the, uh, uh, of the patient, you know, right before we started this, 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 uh, um, you know, event and talking of, you know, this podcast, we were, we're talking amongst all of us here in the importance of behaviors well a lot of people don't know how to behave and so there's an enormous amount of digital empowerment that's coming into that but but you know stepping back we 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 know that and no sector evades digitization you know digitization is a uh, and modernization is a, is a fact of life and healthcare was was going to be stepping into that and uh in in, in, in in into that environment and and making that progress eventually uh, it, it's interesting we were told oh you're you're still too early it's still going to take you know decades um, and we didn't feel so we, we, we didn't feel that was the case frankly because of of just the changing demographics involving you know uh, gen z's and millennials becoming physicians and our view was that they were going to be you know you know just just Totally uh, surprised that that they wouldn't be able to engage in digital digital technologies because that's what their whole world is about. And and of course, um, and we we started to see movement. You know, even pre pandemic, you know, Ontario had just started to introduce um, digital you know telehealth uh, claim codes. Uh, here in British Columbia, we'd had persistent telehealth claim codes for quite some time. Mind you, they they hadn't been used extensively, but but there was usage of them. And, um, you know, you could see that this conversation was was occurring throughout the country, but, you know, really hadn't hit any kind of, of critical mass. And, of course, the pandemic caused a sea change because we went from, you know, a fraction of 1% uh, to, uh, I think, at the peak, maybe 80% of all consultations occurred through telehealth. Now, telehealth didn't oh, necessarily yeah. need to be a digital platform at that point. It could be a phone call, uh, but it was, it was remote care. And so that that was, that was incredibly important because, you know, patients always wanted it. Patients want convenience. They don't want to come in and wait two hours to get a five minute meeting. Um, but of course there were a thousand one reasons why practitioners were against that With You know, security was one, uh, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, change management's another, just like, just, just becoming okay. this new way of doing things. It's very, very, a lot of cultural pain and change management <clears throat> in the medical industry. And so um, I think the pandemic, you know, was a forcing function. And now what we see is practitioners generally love it because it does give them some more flexibility in how they spend their time and energy. And And we see a real um, spectrum of practitioners that just want to do telehealth to ones that still like that physical practice and want, like to accent it once in a while to provide that convenience. But I can tell you almost categorically every practitioner does some form of telehealth now. And yeah. And and now they do it confidently because because you know so much effort and energy is being put into into protecting that data.
0: I mean, you talk about the change management issues, and of course, that's there with pretty well anybody that has had to uh, convert in a lot of ways to doing things in two dimensions the way we're doing them right now. Um, but what one of the key challenges you have is that you're you're sitting on top of a lot of information, and that information people have a bit of a weird paradox about it. I mean, they, they want their pharmacy to know what their doctor knows, to know what their specialist knows, to have access to an X-ray to have, like they want all that commingled, and yet they fear for their lives about the information getting in the wrong hands. So tell me a little bit about that challenge that you've had to basically uh, uh, confront, which is the concern that people have about, about the basic security of this data.
2: Yeah, I mean I think I think it's it's security and privacy. I think it's um I think it's a it's a dual mode concern. It's it, on one hand it's you know our it's my is my clinic owner is my doctor is, is are are the people in charge of this data in terms of custodians of this data keeping it safe. So that's that's mm-hmm. that and and we've seen so many examples of corporations not spending enough and and uh, as a result there being some kind of breach and some kind of, you know, um, you know, uh, leakage of that information and, and that causes pain, but we've also seen people just do the wrong thing with the data. <laughs> and that's more of a privacy issue. We've seen, uh, and, and, and no more, and there's no more of a place where that's a bigger concern than healthcare. I mean, we're talking about things that we may or may not want family members to know things that we right. may, or may not want employers to know. And, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, are, are the people who, who are administering this, and, and I use the word administration or administering or, or custodianship, you know, very carefully because there's only one entity in healthcare that truly owns healthcare data, and that's the patient. But you would not know it when you when you talk to people in the business all the time because <laughs> they they talk about things like predictive analytics and, and, and machine learning, and we're going to, like, read all this data, we're going to do all this stuff. And the reality is, the laws of the country just do not support that right now. Um, mm. You know, you know, th- there's this thing called informed consent, and and you know, the only real way this stuff really starts getting going is if patients consent, uh, you know, in a, in a definitive and clear manner. And I don't think that starts to happen until you have really powerful patient empowerment tools i'll call it the kind of the googlefication amplification of, of this industry where you log into something some kind of storage locker where you see everything there and, and then you are intentional about wanting your data to be used to ameliorate the deep learning that's occurring on the platform and i think i think if it happens well i should say when it happens it happens to platforms like apple you know we are we're, we're now all accustomed to open our health app and look at how many steps we walked and look at look at our activity levels on our apple watches well you know we're really proud of this but a few days ago you know i guess a couple of weeks ago we announced uh, that we're the first electronic medical records provider in canada to enable our our clinical partners to uh to have the, the patient data that's in our emr to be downloaded to patients health apps in apple so we've done an integration with apple and we're the very first ones. And so if you're, if you're a member of, uh, of, of a well clinic, which I think you are Kirk, um, and your physician also participates in the program, you can actually now download your, uh, your health records directly onto that app.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I guess, um, I'll turn this one to, over to Alvin though. I mean, uh, the CEOs in the survey, it, it almost sounded as if they felt they were still playing with fire a little bit here. That, you know the, that in a lot of ways they they are technologically savvy, they understand the capabilities and they're worried that perhaps they they you know it, it overreaches that it determines their behavior in a lot of ways and they want they want that stability and security that comes with information. so so how how serious in the survey, Alvin, did you did you conclude? that CEOs are now, you know, into into this space where they they recognize that the technological transformation is is with us. It's it in a lot of ways it's almost over in terms of any debate, but how to use it is, is still very much a matter of debate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually that's a very interesting finding in the survey. That actually surprised me as well. So basically, you know, in terms of the top threat, like I mentioned, cybersecurity is the top threat, right? And 79% of the CEOs that we interviewed said that cybersecurity is the top threat. However, if you look at like what they're doing tactically, it doesn't really correlate because only 56% said that um this cybersecurity program is factored into their risk management program. And then only 71% Uh, mentioned that they will be increasing their investment in the cybersecurity area in the next three years. So as you can Mm -hmm. see, it doesn't have a direct correlation there, Um, which is at first it jump out at me because, you know, it's kind of surprising because if you think that 79% of the people think it's a top concern, 79% of the people will actually spend money on cybersecurity to improve their posture. Mm -hmm. However, having thought a little bit more about it, I think it speaks to more of the agility of the organizations. As we all know, when an organization's plan their budget, they plan their budget eight months to eight months or six months before the next fiscal year, right? So they're always playing catch-up. So you know, maybe a year and a half ago, organizations weren't really thinking about cybersecurity as the top threat as much. Back then, mm-hmm. it was just at the beginning of COVID. So everybody was really just thinking about how do we survive being in a pandemic, right? Uh, But now, uh, and so I can definitely see that the cybersecurity investment, um, if we ask the same question next year, that percentage is going to go up. And same with the fact that, you know, incorporating that into the risk management program as well. And I think for the the incorporation of cybersecurity in the risk management program, the reason why it has, the reason why it was 56%. Um, of the CEO said that they have factored cybersecurity into risk management programs because a lot of organizations they still run their departments in silo, and a lot of the time the cybersecurity program isn't under the risk management team. So you know when you're running things in silo, um, each teams may not have full visibility into you know what the other teams are doing, et cetera, right? And that's probably one of the reasons why that that was um, um, you know in terms of the percentage it was a little bit lower.
2: Between 2018
1: and 2020, CEOs grew steadily pessimistic about the future economy. This year, confidence is back. But optimism doesn't equal strategy. How can CEOs set priorities that will sustain growth beyond the bounce? Discover more in our 24th Annual Canadian CEO Survey. Yeah,
0: so so how many then um, what kind of priority uh, you, uh, do you have to put on um, security of this information in order do you think in order to, to accelerate even um, the digitization that you've got of your operation and concurrently um, the reputational issues that come with uh, building that trust um, among not only the professionals that use it but obviously the consumers?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, a couple of things. One is I think organizations will have to become even more agile going forward. Right. Like, you know, the the traditional way of like budgeting, like six to eight months before the fiscal year, that may have to switch a little bit just because things are moving so fast. Right. I think Hamid said, said it earlier, like even their industry, they're moving so fast. Uh, and then, you know, once a pandemic hit, it forces everybody's hands to move even faster. So I think, you know, like in terms of budgeting, uh, figuring out investments, organization has to be more uh, more agile. The, the other thing is, you know, in terms of trust and reputations, couple of things, right? One is, I think every time we open the news, we see a cybersecurity breach, right? The latest one that we saw that was big was the Colonial Pipeline down in the US, which actually disrupted half of the US from, a, um, you know, um, oil and gas perspectives right and and you know that does erode trust and so i think organizations there's two perspectives one is the customer facing stuff if an organization gets breached and their customer data is leaked out to the public you know their online presence their online retail presence is going to go down significantly like i would not want to deal with an organization that doesn't take care of my data right uh, from an yeah. internal perspective um, you know, like they have a lot of IPs, etc. And if they if that get breached, and you know the IPs, the private information gets leaked out to the public, that does also affect the reputation. And also at the same time, it affects. Um, there will be a lot of associated costs with you know the incident response. Uh, sure. sure.
0: So so let me turn to Hamid on this one because you, you Hamid, your your organization uh, obviously uh, has, has digitized quite quite extensively. But as you push yourself further in all of this, concurrent to this is is the sense of building and entrenching uh, consumer and practitioner trust in all of this. So, where do you put the the priority here, and and uh, how do you do it? And then, and more more uh, specifically, how do you communicate that to the market so people feel quite safe in using something like Well Health?
2: Well, I think very thoughtfully and very authentically, uh, and 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 you have to you have to spend money. Um, you know, we made a decision after doing the analysis um, that that it, this was our by far our biggest risk. Um, it, it, you know, not just because we're a healthcare company, because we're a publicly traded company, because um, our you know we, we are also a, a a digital platform company like we we sit on top of an EMR that sits on top of 20 million plus patient profiles <laughs> you know it's pretty pretty, pretty serious stuff and um, you know when we when we looked at the totality of what we needed to do to support our business we we realized that we would be significant consumers of cybersecurity consulting and 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 products and services and so we decided that the the light bulb came on you know the, the aha moment that Wait a second. We shouldn't just be uh, a consumer. We should be a provider. You know, we we this is this is a this is a big deal. I mean, this is a lot of um, this is a lot of zeros. Uh, so so we we've now made it a, a core of our business, a, a cornerstone of our business. We we've acquired two cybersecurity businesses. We have uh, created a business unit dedicated to security and. Um, it's, it's a multi-million dollar, you know, better than $20 million uh, revenue business for us, quite profitable. But we're probably the biggest consumers. We're the biggest customers of that of that line of business. And that makes me feel great that we have made it as big of a deal as as we have. I mean, the objective, it, it, it is not as profitable as other areas of our business and nor does it need to be for us to keep it and, and, and nurture it and grow it. Um, but we are... Um, absolutely thrilled that we have the capability that we do in house and mm. every, you know, we're, we're very MA driven. So the, the DD that, that, that we do, whether it's a clinical asset a digital asset or anything, you know, we, we do extensive amounts of privacy and security work. Um, and, you know, I think the fear with cybersecurity is well-placed. I mean, listen, it doesn't really like you could spend, you know, extensive amounts and people can still find a way to get in. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of smart hackers, there's nation states, there's, there's, there's a lot of shenanigans out there, but I think, listen, I think. If you, if you don't pay lip service to this, if you really take it seriously and you do the fundamentals um, and, and you, when I say the fundamentals, I mean, you should understand what that means to your industry. I think it's highly contextually relevant. And, and you you need to employ the the right professionals because there's just no way the ordinary common folk can can understand this to the degree it needs to be understood we' we're just live in a very different world now and will increasingly do so and it's not even just the concept of data protection it's a it's a concept of, of, of social engineering it's the concept of you know you know people putting social pressure on your people to to leak data there's 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 all kinds of different things that are occurring out there on the fringes of cybersecurity that you, you'd be surprised if you sit some with, down with someone like Alvin who can take you through the many different uh, perils. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to be in business and you're going to have data, I think it's, it, you're, you're, it's just malpractice um, to not pay proper attention to this. And I think that's now commonly understood, but still underfunded to a great degree.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, but let me pick up on that thread a little bit because I may be asking you to repeat a bit of what you've been saying. But it strikes me as a very interesting model that you've got that you actually are probably going to almost mentor other healthcare firms um, to kind of avoid perhaps some of the lessons that you learned a bit more the hard way uh, as as you digitized. Um, is there something that you can point to that that has been a, a, a signature lesson um, in in digitization and around cybersecurity?
2: Well, um, I think I think that you know we we did look at I mean probably more on the privacy end there was a privacy um, situation in, in Ontario where an EMR company um, that's a well honed like a very well known EMR company one of the largest in the country went out and started you know anonymizing data and selling it to a pharmaceutical company thinking, Hey, we anonymized it. It's all great. Like, and then, and then there was this uh, this article in the paper where the privacy commissioners investigated that. And, and so in Canada, um, just simply anonymizing data and selling it is, 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 is not, is not kosher. (laughs) And, and so um, having the, the, um, you know a, a fully understanding the laws of the land and being in full compliance and and again this comes back to the true ownership of the data I think is really really key um, and and so I think that was that was a teachable moment for us thankfully we weren't the ones who uh, um, you know who, who who made that sort of move Um I think it, it was probably a logical move from that company. They're trying to unlock the value of their platform and so on and so forth. But what that, what that told us is that, you know, and, and we sort of looked at it within the context of like Google and Apple, and you may have walked around Toronto and seen billboards from Apple that said, we will never sell your data. We will never, you know, mm-hmm. your data. We will never read it. We will never, de- you know, and that was a teachable moment for us. So we, we came out and we said, we will never sell your data. We will never, um, you know, you own your data. And, and, and that's become a, a true mantra. And you touched on this point earlier, earlier, Kirk, it was, it was the education. And, 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 and I don't think too many companies have really come out and explicitly said that they will never do that without your explicit direction and instruction. But I think it's empowering. I think it's what we need, uh, and it's what Well is about. And uh, we're we're really pleased to be able to say that, especially as a, as a major, uh, you know, player in the in, in the ecosystem.
0: Yeah, I want to conclude the uh, conversation with some uh, closing thoughts from each of you about the importance, though, of of uh, of all of, the, of this issue in terms of the public trust in the organizations and and. Uh, and and you know in a lot of ways whether the pandemic has accelerated also the need for a greater trust in in uh, in institutions and companies uh, because in a lot of ways the the personal relationships may you know they they may not quite be similarly fostered um, as they were in pre-pandemic times we're going to be doing more of our more of our dealings, um, you know, a, a, across the digital platforms. Alvin, start me uh, with some thoughts there about about the the importance of this and and what it means in terms of uh, a trust and reputation.
1: Yeah, so I think you hit it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head right there, right? Yes, organizations are starting to move from like a physical relationship with clients or uh, with the customers to an online digital relationship. So that's why you know cybersecurity is so important because cybersecurity is basically your backbone to having that trusted digital relationship with your customers. So without that trust, I just don't think an organization can survive uh, in this new post-pandemic digital world. Uh, and that's why I think you know, like going forward, um, organizations have to start incorporating their cybersecurity strategy and aligning them to their business strategy.
2: That is the only way going forward.
0: Yeah, and Hamid, how crucial. Is this issue
2: for you? I think it's everything. <laughs> I mean, if you think about trust, let's just focus on that word for a second. It's it's what do we know about trust? We know it's very, very hard to earn true authentic trust. It takes time. And we also know that you can lose it in an instant. And so, um, you know, when you understand the fragility of that concept, um, uh, and 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 in many ways, in the world, we are at a crisis of trust because of w- we don't know whether or not we can believe what we hear, and you know, it's often from people who we're supposed to trust the most. Um, you know, we're recently hearing that you know there's a great deal of discussion about whether or not the pandemic was lab generated or a normal you know zoonotic uh, you know a virus evolution. Uh, th-
0: Listen, we're we're so, journalists. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Don't worry about it. You, you can
2: trust us. <laughs> I know you will. not But that's the point, Kirk. I, great point. And I and I think that we live in a time in where where we want to know the truth. We deserve to know the truth, and and we will get to the bottom of everything. And so I think it it ushers in a new form. It should usher in a new form uh, uh, of leadership that 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 is 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 willing to. Um, be authentic about all these things, and let's think about what cybersecurity is. We're talking about the security of something that's super fundamental, which is data, and everything that we do is going to be generating data, and that data is enormously powerful in understanding us. So, I think I think that um, this is probably one of the best industries to be in if you're if you're looking for an, a career, um, and and it's one of the ones that you really need to pay attention to because you could really you know, muck up your business. Now, if you do take the right efforts and you still have a breach, there's a lot to be said about holding your head up high and showing everything that you did, but you have to be able to show it. And I think that's yeah. really the key. So yes, there's a lot of fear in this uh, as, as, a, as an operator, but, but that's why you need to do a lot. That's why you need to prepare. That's why you need to pull your team together and really give this much more than the lip service of just you know filling out a poll and 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 demonstrating concern.
0: Yeah, the market will be very withering for those that are defensive or not sharing, right? It's going to be uh, it's going to be trouble. Yeah. Listen, it's been a great conversation and I appreciate both of your time today. Uh, it's been a good good talk. We could go on forever. It's a it's a great great topic. So, Hamid Shabazi of Well Health and Alvin Madar of PwC, thanks so much for your time.
1: Awesome, thank you, Kirk.
0: You've been watching BIV Today. I'm Kirk Lapointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. We'll see you again and watch the other two parts of our three-part series uh, on the PWC CEO survey. They're available now, of course, online.